0: Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. So we're starting a new series tonight called Aftermath. And uh, I've called it Aftermath because after Pentecost, there was a result or there were effects, if you will, of what happened at, on the day of Pentecost. Uh, Every event or everything that happens, there's always two things. One of them is a cause and the other one is an effect. So if we think about this COVID-19, there is a cause to COVID-19 and there's certainly an effect of COVID-19. And what we're going to talk about uh, as our very first to kick this off is something in the world that's, that's going on right now that uh, would be filling the, the media screens. You'd see it on the news, uh, newspapers and television, and it's all over the place, and that's racism. Uh, there is a cause to racism, and there is an effect of racism, or an aftermath, if you will. I love the fact that the Bible says that Jesus came into the world, the Son of God came into the world in First John 3, 8, to destroy the works of the devil. And If there ever was a work of the devil, It is racism. Uh, I've been uh, following Jesus now for a lot of years, but my memory takes me back to 1967. I grew up on an island part of the time and other times on the mainland, but I can remember the city of Detroit burning and the glow of the city in the distance uh, as it burned during the race riots of 1967, about this time actually. So 53 years, and it just doesn't seem like anybody's been able to solve this stinking problem and i I get angry about this because it's one of those things that should not be and yet it is i want us to uh to really have a candid discussion tonight and so i've invited uh on our platform uh pastors brian and pearl clothier now i have known these guys for a long time and i can only say they are dear friends and uh I've grown to love these guys. They're very honest, true, very, some of the kindest people that I've ever met are sitting with me right now. And uh, I love you guys to bits. And tonight I want you to really open up your heart. We're we're gonna have a candid conversation. There's just no point about having a candy-coated conversation. Uh, We wanna be candid about this whole thing called racism. If there ever were two people that have been through the trials and the fires, uh, if you will, of racism, uh, these guys certainly have. And I, I want them to share some of their story uh, that goes back to Africa and, and, and what they you know uh, put up with there, things that I, I've heard that I could never even think about. So tell us your story, guys.
1: Yeah, thank you, Pastor Red. It's a real honor to share this moment with you. I like uh, your, your thoughts on the aftermath of Pentecost and uh, great things took place as a result of Pentecost. So racism is, a, is quite a, a challenging thing for, for many people. Um, I was raised, born and raised in South Africa And we experienced apartheid and I, you know, that was the way of life for us. From my birth, 1948, I have never known anything else but uh, things like separate development where Africans lived in their own communities, separate from the Indians who lived in their own communities, separate from the coloreds who lived in their own communities and the white folk who were mostly in the inner suburbs, in the city areas of our communities. And that was the environment that we were both raised in. Uh, Pearl, you might want to just share.
2: Yeah, um, my dad was Scottish and my mum was uh, part African, part English, I suppose, in her background. And um, I went to uh, boarding schools, all amongst coloured people. That was the terminology of our
0: okay. race. So yeah. you would you would call yourselves colored? colored. Is that is. Yes. That's not a derogatory term. Mm, no, <laughs> no, it's not. Okay. Well, yeah, I would I, never call you colored. <laughs> it's like. I know, <laughs> <Yeah, that's, laughs>
2: I know. But, uh, I know. but uh, that's all I knew. But um, um, just to go ahead and bring in the racist part of it, my dad <clears throat> and mum separated because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, because apartheid came came in. Can you after explain that?
0: apartheid a little apartheid, bit? Apartheid, I think the it's just
2: people. about. Um,
0: it's the white South African white, government. Yeah, policy. yeah,
2: yeah. It's, uh, setting yeah. us races apart.
0: Setting them apart, okay. Yeah.
2: Well, there was yeah. separate development. Wow. That's what it was called, where you lived in different... Anyway, my dad, I can remember him. I was in boarding school and he was white and he wanted me to get a white job. (laughs) So he came to my boarding school and took me for a job interview. With my dad. Oh, no. <laughs> Just to prove that I so was, you know, wife. I had a white dad. Wow. But as it turned out, I didn't take that job or it wasn't offered to me. Maybe they could see through what was going on.
0: <laughs> so you could, yeah, you would so, pass, try to pass as a white person? Well, to get he a wanted job. me
2: to get a better life. Right. I think. Okay. Yeah. 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 And um, yeah. So that was, um,
0: yeah. And you got the best life. Yeah. <laughs> I Yeah. sit right there next to you. I yeah. so. <laughs>
2: yeah. And I, I, when I worked, I worked amongst uh, white men. I had a job in a drawing office, and they were draftsmen. And um, we couldn't mingle together outside of work. Wow. Um, yeah. We, uh, if you socialized and you, you were, you know, with because alcohol. you were colored, you, you mean? Yeah, yeah, you were non-white.
0: Because you were non-white, white. okay. Yeah, yeah.
2: Wow. So, um, but the way we lived, quite honestly, we just got on with life.
0: Yeah.
2: And we weren't bitter in any way. Yeah. Um, you did have restrictions. I remember driving through the beautiful um what do you call that place, Brian? Yeah. On the sun no, on the sun on the beach, sorry.
0: The beach. <laughs> okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> The beachfront, yeah. and they'd have all these beautiful swimming pools and things. Yeah. And uh, my daughter, we didn't, we only had my daughter then, and uh, she wanted to go and swim, and I knew she couldn't because we are. We're in a, they were they, they were white swimming pools. Sorry. They wouldn't let
0: you swim. But
2: one day I took her in there. Brian had to sit in the car and <laughs>
0: wasn't allowed to swim just
2: because she wanted to swim in that lovely pool. And that was pool. your own
0: country, for goodness' yeah. sake, Africa. Like, yeah. You weren't allowed to swim so in your I own country. So I took my
2: daughter into the swimming pool. So those are some of the little things that, uh, yeah. that um, yeah, but we lived life, yeah, because that was life. Wow. Yeah. And
0: yeah, so. So tell us some of the uh, yeah, Yeah. tell us some of the unbelievable restrictions that you had with everything from drinking fountains and all that, and maybe tell us, you know, you must have felt the gravity of of this somewhere.
1: Yeah, well, the challenges were that most of the things that were really nice, beautiful, we weren't allowed to go to. all the Durban beachfront that Pearl was talking about was all the beautiful spots. We were posted way down the other end of the beach where (laughs) the Africans, colored Indians could swim. Um, you know, even amongst us as well, we had racial tendencies. We, the Africans were discriminated against even by us. And I guess, that was the way it was as a result of apartheid. Um, the Africans weren't given tradesmen's jobs. They were laborers. Hmm. I didn't as a painter I didn't have to sand the wall. The Africans did that for us. And I guess there were reasons for that because they needed work, they needed an income and that was their so, only so, way of income. So
0: you weren't considered an African.
1: No, no. no. We were you colored.
0: Were, you were born in Africa.
1: <laughs> yeah. And and you're considered, still not considered an African. So on my, on my birth certificate, it said colored. colored. Now, not only is it, was I a colored, but there are other relatives of mine who were other colored.
0: Other colored. <laughs>
1: Couldn't understand that, but they had all these different uh, terminologies or wow. approaches to racism. I mean, it, it, the, the, the sad thing about it all was that we didn't know how much we missed out as a result of that, because it was an accepted way of life for us. I couldn't go to the white movies. I knew that I couldn't walk through the front door of a bank because it was only for white people. I had to find a door that was on the side that I could go into the bank and wait in a line before one person served us. It was all of those things that you were not allowed to go into a, a restaurant that was whites only. You weren't allowed to jump into a bus in the city that was for whites. If you did jump into that bus, you went in through the back door. If you got into a double-decker bus, which they had early, in the early years there, we had to go upstairs and sit up top where there was no driver upstairs. <laughs> wow. <laughs> i kidding. The drivers were downstairs. Yeah, but um, that's the way life was then. Public toilets, you had your own toilet outside of, where the white toilets were. Park benches in the city, white sat on, the, on one bench and you would sit away from them where you couldn't be noticed on other benches. So those were the difficulties, but we learned to adapt to that lifestyle. I mean, there was angst. I know my brother became one of the ANC members and he had to leave home all of a sudden. We never saw him again for a number of years. I got married, I didn't see him for 30 years. Wow, um, that's and
0: only
1: the African just National Con- ANC, yeah. African National Congress, yeah. So wow. he had to leave South Africa and go to Zambia, which was just on the borders there. So there were those sort of types of challenges that we faced.
0: So your brother just had enough. And yeah, he, he just enough, had enough. Had enough yeah, of this, yeah, like, yeah. And were you, yeah. were you around when, when Nelson Mandela? Um,
1: no, we were in Australia then. We came to okay. Australia in 1977. Oh. Nelson Mandela took over in
0: 1992. But he was in Robin, He was in Robin Island incarcerated. He wasn't in, incarcerated yet. Yeah, yeah so he'd prior. been incarcerated for yeah. leading the ANC or something. Well,
1: he? no, he well, he was very much a senior member of the ANC. Yeah, and he was incarcerated as a result, but went into jail.
0: Yeah.
1: and uh, studied to become a a, law, a lawyer, mm. which he achieved. Okay. So, how
0: did you? Um, like keep your spirits high and how did you stop from becoming just really angry with all of this like i i could imagine like for me listening to this it'd be be all over i'd just be i'd be ropeable like you know what i mean like how did you keep your wits about you and end up being such a nice nice people like
1: very good question ed but a very simple answer to that is it was the lifestyle i didn't know much different, if you know what I mean. It's only when I came to Australia that I realized what we were missing out on. Uh, I couldn't, you know, I I was even embarrassed to address a white man by his first name. You know, we call him Mr. This and Mr. That. The boss that I worked for here in in Australia said, Brian, you call me Mr. McDermott once more. You won't have a job anymore. My name is Kevin. Okay. So, you know, we had to adjust to the new lifestyle. It's difficult for me to um, equate the two. Until I came to Australia, mm-hmm. I didn't know wow. uh, about the depths of the hurt yeah. in a, uh, of apartheid. Yeah. But when I came here, I began to understand why a lot of black people stood up. Yeah. And but you know, every one of them that would stand up would get into trouble for it and be uh, wow. locked up and you probably wouldn't see them again, you
0: know. And how, how is it now back in Africa? Have they reconciled? Is it a better place now that uh, apartheid's gone? I don't, we I'll
1: not go that too... hard question to my wife to ask. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah.
2: I think it will take a long time for healing to take place. Okay. Although, um, yeah, it's just the pendulum's just gone the other way, I think. Okay. I, I'd, I okay. hate to talk against no, anything right. like that yeah but yeah. Um, uh, there's a lot of crime and corruption and even mm-hmm. with the uh, <clears throat> government I think Mandela would be sad They're with sad. some of the things that have happened yeah. I haven't lived there but I've gone on holidays and come back and heard people talk yeah. about what things have happened there
0: so yeah. we've seen a lot of destruction from you know the the works of the enemy we all know that this is the consequences of originally sin, um, and racism is just—it's just, it's just a, a severe, ugly form of of of, of the heart of man that's full of sin. Um, you've seen that, you've experienced that, and and all the hatred that goes on just because of the color of somebody's skin. Uh, when you came to Australia, did you feel like uh, racism was left behind you, or can you talk about perhaps Australia? Is there a, is there any issue with racism in this country that you can see or that you've felt? I know this is hard but yeah. I mm-hmm. want you to be honest.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Personally, I haven't uh, I mean I've got I've managed to get nice jobs. I've worked mm-hmm. with Australians. They've respected me, I've respected them. Okay. I haven't personally experienced anything. Okay. Yeah. All right. When I first came here, I was very tentative about especially South African whites. Mm. But now I'm happy to say I've got some of them that are my okay. best friends. Wow. Yeah. Wow. yeah. So okay. uh, the pendulum, I can just tell you a story my mother told me. Mm-hmm. Um, she made a friend of a white woman through an organisation she was a part of. And um, this they became really close friends. And this woman said, You know, I always thought of you people as animals. Wow. Yeah. But until she got to know Mum and they made friends because they were part of this particular organization, you wow. know. So it's sad when, if we just saw each other as human beings, you know, that's um, that would make a big difference. Big yeah.
0: difference. Yeah. What about you, Brian?
1: Yeah, well, um, I joined a sports club. I loved soccer. So, the first things I did when we came to Australia was to find my local church, which we did. And that was great. They took care of us, looked after us. It was wonderful. joined a soccer club. Yes, it was in Melbourne, in a a city called Springvale. Mm -hmm. And um, I joined the Springvale City Soccer Club as well. And, you know, the boys that I played with were fine. But the opposition that I played against, I think tactically they would try and challenge me so that on my racial, so on my color of skin, so that I might get upset mm. and retaliate and the referee will send me off giving them an advantage with one man less on the field. But I was wise to their moves and they'd call me all sorts of names. But you know, the thing about it is after the game, they would come to me and confess and say, mate, look, we didn't mean anything by it. It was..." just a tactical move, Uh, So, but racism in itself, I haven't felt where I've been made to feel inferior because of the color of my skin. Uh, I think they, if anything, the church, the soccer club, it helped me to settle into a new way of life that I really needed at the time. Mm -hmm. Whereas now I feel very comfortable with anybody and everybody. Uh I, I haven't felt a sinking feeling in my stomach that these guys are looking down on me. Um, I, I just feel at home now, like this is a part of my family. This is my life. Yeah. The church has been one of the most, uh, what's the word, gratifying things in my life. Embracing. Embracing me and loving me and caring for me, making me feel at home. Uh, I think without the church, had it not been for the church, Pastor Red, I, mm. I don't know, you know, uh, mm. because I was a young Christian when I came to Australia, but they helped us out a tremendous amount and made me feel at home, welcomed me into their homes with our kids. And, uh, was it
0: a white church?
1: It was. The pastor was mm. white, Yes. There were a lot of...
0: In Australia. In
1: Australia, yeah. There were a lot of Sri Lankans in... in We had similar to us, you know, with a wide variety of um, nationalities. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was quite an interesting place. uh, So you didn't feel
0: there was any kind of a uh, barrier there because of the color of your skin?
1: I didn't feel it at all. As a matter of fact, I was soon invited onto the board and one of the elders of the church so i i didn't feel that but who's to know you know i'm sure there's racism around i'm sure there's people that feel degraded um yeah and uh you know my heart goes out to them if only people would realize that to to step on people because of their color or to take advantage of them because of their color it really hurts. It's it's not a comfortable thing. It, it's a sad thing, and and I don't know how we will. I mean, I I do know how we can bring healing is if we care and love each other for who they are rather than uh, decipher them by how they look. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, What you are know? your
0: thoughts on? Uh, sorry, you're going to say That's something. Right, no. Your thoughts on what's going on in America right now and there's, You know this protests all over the world, um, some violent, some not violent. Um, you know, what, do you, what would you say to somebody? You've been to the States, uh, and, you know, what would you say to your, your brothers and sisters in America in particular uh, that want to overcome race, this thing called racism? Like, what kind of steps could we take uh, as, you know, churches, as Christians to, to defeat this thing?
1: You know, I'll just bring this back to Jesus and and how he uh, handled himself when he walked the face of this earth. He loved everybody. He cared for everybody and anybody, regardless of their race or color, uh, gender. Mm. He just loved on them. And I think, especially with what's happening in America right now, it's sad to see. I know that frustrated people will... Mm -hmm. will vent their feelings in all sorts of ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess that's the only way of saying I'm frustrated. I I don't know. And it breaks out into sometimes into violence and -hmm. and areas like that. As a matter of fact, in South Africa, um, there was a lot of violence because of poverty and poverty was as a result of them not having enough work. This is the black people I'm talking Mm -hmm. about in South Africa. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were frustrated, you know, because Mm -hmm. they you know, oftentimes couldn't feed their families and all those challenges that come along with being a, a grown-up person. They found it very difficult and, and, mm-hmm. and they expressed themselves in these. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's ugly. Some of the stuff that's happening in America, the looting, mm. you know, the destruction of infrastructure, stuff like that. That's not going to help us change no. people. No. And I think the love of Jesus that dwells in and We have a responsibility, I believe, as a church, Pastor Ed, to mm. express love and caring. And, uh, and I think that's also got to be expressed to those that are becoming violent and carrying on, you know, because being angry and yelling and screaming at them is not going to help them a lot. But I really think that we need to express the love of Christ. I like what you said regarding Pentecost, the aftermath, Come on, we are in a position, filled with the Holy Spirit, to bring the good news to people that are challenged by racism and things like that. So, Pearl, Pearl, you wanna, with yourself being a
0: woman and yeah. um, colored, I, I hate saying it. that. it's feel weird <laughs> saying that, but you—that's what you want to be. Yeah, whatever. That's <laughs> I don't. I don't. I honestly find it very hard. To, to talk about anybody.
2: Well, they will but
0: that would be true with even I wouldn't even call somebody an Asian unless they <laughs> yeah. said call me Asian or something like you know what I mean. I don't like
2: being a person. I don't even like color. being
0: called a white guy. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like what? <laughs> like, <laughs> it just isn't in me, right. <laughs> and uh, I so understand. I find it hard to have that conversation. But I I do really uh, understand to the best that I can that, that the anger and the pent up. Uh, frustration I'd be angry too like especially with, with what happened to George Floyd I think that's oh, that is that's just crazy. so shocking and um, it's beyond belief that that kind of stuff Could you know happen. Can, can happen and and what's happened mm-hmm. with women and the Me Too mm-hmm. movement mm-hmm. And, and being colored in a woman like oh <laughs> my goodness <laughs> like uh yeah. you can't say it <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>.
2: sorry <laughs> uh, i'm just just sister in christ Ed. <laughs> sister
0: yes indeed <laughs> yeah
2: how do i feel about yeah, things like, like that
0: what what do you feel um, mm. what can we do like ignoring it somebody said you know evil prevails when exactly. when good good men or women do nothing and mm. and i don't believe doing nothing or not addressing the issue is the answer i think that even if we don't personally experience it, we need to be proactive in our faith and, and aim the power of Pentecost at racism and say racism is not going to prevail. It's like just as much as that coronavirus that we hate it, they're trying to find a cure. We've got the cure. <laughs> and I don't understand why the church, in particular with the power that we sing about and, and talk about, we can't aim that power uh, of of being Spirit-filled believers, the the power of God, at this thing called racism and absolutely destroy it. This is what frustrates me. Why is it still, like I said, it was 53 years ago that I watched Detroit burn Mm -hmm. and and the city never recovered. Like I've been to Hiroshima where the bomb went off and I've been back to Detroit. You couldn't tell the difference between most of this, like a lot of the Mm -hmm. city and where that bomb went off. 53 years later, it's never recovered from it. And I see this stuff unfolding on the news, and I think, this is madness. Like, why haven't we as Christians and w- with the power been able to solve this? Any advice at all you can give us, or can we do anything? I
2: just think, I mean, if you hear things said in company,
0: Yes, okay, good.
2: you stand up and say something against yeah. that thing, yeah, or good. you challenge that thing statement or whatever but um, it's like you said if you keep quiet you're just helping that thing to go on right and others will take up what that person has said but if you challenge it you probably challenge the other people to think
0: yeah good I like
2: that yeah so I think yeah
0: Challenging just attitudes, mindsets. Exactly, yeah.
2: exactly. I mean, <clears throat> I've heard people talk about uh, the indigenous people in a negative way and I've kept quiet, but I've, mm. I've had my thoughts mm-hmm. about it. Mm. Um, and that's why I pray for myself, for boldness yeah. from the Holy Spirit so I yeah. can talk up. Otherwise, I'm just helping this thing to go on yeah that's yeah.
0: good that's really mm-hmm. good yeah
2: so that's I mean, one way um I don't know do you have
0: no i i mean <laughs> I just think because yeah. because you guys have experienced it in another country mainly by the sound of it like but to an extreme that um you know a lot of our our generation hasn't seen that extreme, certainly in america um you know that same stuff has gone on uh, with you know the separate bathrooms and drinking fountains and bus and all that, like, yeah. um, and and it still exists today. It's just kind of gone to another form, um, but racism has gone away. Legislations no. come in. They've they've made it legal and for, in certain areas, uh, but racism still seems to be there. Otherwise, we wouldn't be seeing what's going on right now. That that anger yeah. coming yeah. out, yeah. and um, so I really feel for. Uh, our American brothers and sisters, but also for anything that exists here in this country with that. I think it's, and especially we're in the Sunshine Coast, you know, we're pastoring a church here. Uh, I'll dare racism like it's just, there's just no place yeah. for it. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't wanna just have a church that has, you know, different ethnic groups coming here and just say, okay, we're not, we've cured racism. It, it, racism. If it's here, it, it, you know we've got to be very proactive and turn this whole thing, all of us together, yeah. mm-hmm. to say we are going to we're going to aim our Pentecost, our our spirit-filled belief, our faith at this thing, even if you know and, and kill it here for sure if it exists, and and, and keep going with that because uh, it's an evil that shouldn't exist. Absolutely.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um. What do you wish that every white person knew? This is a, I know it's a tough question, but um, what do you wish that every white person knew about colored people or other groups?
2: I sometimes think when I hear a white person talk about, let's just say the indigenous people, oh, why don't they get over that or get over that? Mm -hmm. They have no idea what has gone before and, yeah. and, and, and they just won't, they don't understand and they will never, nah. I don't think.
0: That's true, isn't it?
2: Um, and so try and put yourself in another person's shoes.
0: Wow, wow. And
2: see how, you know, how would you feel if that was you? But even then, unless you are actually black. Yeah. I don't think you can ever really. No. You know, no. feel what they feel.
0: No. That's yeah. a really good That's a good point. I don't think you can. No. Yeah.
2: Uh, but he, there's hope.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, there's always hope, I would hope. <laughs> if we
2: stand up as a church, you know, as yeah. individuals, Yes. I think that's, you know, it only takes one person to start something. <laughs> well, that's what
0: we're here for, yeah. Brian. What would you yeah. say with that question? Uh, what do you wish that uh, every white well, person yeah, knew?
1: Yeah, I would. I would encourage them to engage with people. Uh, you know, deliberately engage, um, get to know them, spend time with them. Look, we're not going to be able to save the whole world with this idea, but if we could just get to know one family, who knows? Mm what will come out of that. And I believe that only good can because if that family is made to feel one with, let's just say a black family is made to feel one with a white family, I think the, the, the black family will appreciate. I'll say this about South Africans that I've met in here in Australia. Okay. I feel that they are such wonderful people. I've met some great South Africans I would white, never, South white South Africans. Okay. I would never have thought of them in that way in South Africa. I would never have been able to meet them, but they have been so uh, good to me. Um, wow. They've welcomed me into their homes. Uh, I, I'm able to. One of my South African clients that I've painted actually rang me the other day and said, Brian, I was thinking of you, you know, during this uh, pandemic that we're having. I wondered if you had any work, because if you don't, just give me a, give me a call. I've got plenty wow. you can come and do for me. Yeah, so, wonderful. you know, the, I, I think it, the engaging one mm. with the other helps because you can find out really, you know, I, I, what is inside and how you feel. And it changes you. My perspective has been changed. Uh, I'm a lot more open now than I ever have been in the past, and I feel that coming to Australia has done that because now I have lots of friends, most of them are white people, and mm. uh, I feel as one so if I would say to white people, engage, get to know them, you know That's a good you point. encourage your children to 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 mix with them because I think with kids, it's often quite a difficult one, Mm. and uh, they can be very nasty at school. Pearl tells me that my son, Dean, in his first year at school, came home crying bitter tears one day.
2: When we, no, sorry. When we moved to the Sunshine Coast, he went to school, and uh, he was in high school, and I can always remember his first day coming, I picked him up and he was crying. So I think he had experience, and he had a lovely oh. group of, of of white friends mm-hmm. in Melbourne. So oh, okay. when he came, he say experienced it on the Sunshine Coast. She that was his that. first day in school,
0: wow. it kicked on. yeah,
2: and in Noosa, yeah, yeah. Oh, and but that, uh, that could just be kids, kids. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. The kids get it from somewhere, don't they? They, they do, get it yeah. from somewhere. Yeah.
2: That's exactly right. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. That's really good. Um, we're, we're going to pray in a moment. And I really do feel look, there are people that would be watching that have experienced this uh, on, on any level. And maybe you've, maybe you've been part of it. I don't know. Uh, all, I, all I can say is we believe in the, in the Spirit of God and the power of God and the power of love. And we want to just aim love at you. If you've experienced racism and you've been hurt, I just want to say sorry. Uh, I really do feel for you, uh, and I mean that. And uh, wherever you're at, I know we've got people watching from the States and uh, all over the world, actually. And I would hope that uh, the the power of God that we preach, that we talk about at Pentecost, that that the power of Christ can come into your world and heal your broken heart and uh, allow you to be part of the the power of Pentecost and that the aftermath of Pentecost, as we believe, will be fruitfulness and will be uh, a a much better world. So we as a church have a lot to get on with. We've got our work cut out for us. Uh, I don't want to, if I lived another 53 years, (laughs) I don't want to go, man, nothing's changed since, you know, 1967 or 2020. That would just be heartbreaking for somebody to, to 53 years from now to go, gee, nothing's changed. Uh, that's not acceptable. Something has to change. I don't believe governments by themselves and legislation is the answer. We believe it's the good news, it's the gospel, it's the power of God. And I really encourage you, pick that up and let's just see people, as humans, uh, let's, let's not put up with racist jokes or, or uh, discrimination of any kind at all that's not acceptable. And let's just aim the power of God's love towards this, this wretched evil called racism wherever we find it. I wonder, Brian, could you pray for us uh, yes, so and, uh, and maybe just give people a chance to ask Jesus into their heart. And yeah. Thank you.
1: Okay. Well, thank you, Pastor Ed, for the invitation to share with you uh, today. Um, racism is of the devil. And I believe that a lot of people, as a result of the discrimination that they felt, have perhaps turned away from the teachings as a young person concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe because of anger, you've turned away from God and made comments like, well, if God you are real, why do you let me go through these difficulties and challenges in regards to life? If you've been in that position, as pastor said, look, We apologize for the difficulties that you've experienced. And we would ask that you think again concerning your walk here on this earth, that God has placed you here for a purpose. And that purpose is that you would love others as He has loved you. And if you're going through these challenges and difficulties right now, I want to encourage you just to open your heart. And again, just ask God to come into your heart and impact your life again so that you can walk this the walk here on earth on your journey with faith and with confidence and with love for others. Maybe you've just turned off other people because people have been uh, bad to you and you've experienced a lot of difficulties as a result of that. You know, God can forgive you and he does forgive you and he loves you. And he says, you know what? Come on to me. If you're burdened, if you're laboring with stuff that people have put on you, I tell you what, the aftermath of Pentecost is for you. The power of the Holy Spirit to speak into your life is there for you right now to change your world. He can change your circumstances. He can change any difficulty that you are experiencing because you know what? He loves you. He died for you and He cares for you. And I would encourage you to just think on those things that I've said and say to yourself right now, Lord, I want you to be the Lord of my life around wherever you're listening to us on your, um, on your computers, on your television, uh, just turn to the Lord right now and say, God, I've had enough of the way that I've been living. I don't believe that I should be living that way. I want you to give me another chance and open your heart to God. And say, I receive you right now, Lord Jesus. Live in me. Be the ruler of my life. Help me to be a better person to my neighbor, to love others as you have loved me. I receive you now, Lord Jesus, in my heart, and I thank you for loving me in Jesus' name.
0: Amen, amen. Amen, thank you, what a great prayer. Well, I just wanna thank uh, Brian Pearl for sharing so candidly with us. It's not easy to open up you know, things like that, that hurt and everything else, but I just wanna say the power of God's love is evident in you and uh, that is a hope that i believe that everybody can grab a hold of that you're not bitter and twisted about things that have happened you seriously um have moved on in god and you you're aiming your pentecost you know at the problem and, and doing such a great job you've served in in the ministry so long now that's it's amazing and you're a real credit so just want to thank you guys thank you. want to thank, thank you for god. being part of our conversation today and we look forward to doing uh, this whole series called Aftermath. It's going to be very, very exciting. Make sure that you share the, uh, these messages. That you go to our YouTube channel and subscribe. Uh, also, uh, hit share with anybody that, that needs to hear this. Uh, just it's free, so just share it with everybody and uh, join us on Instagram as well. All the platforms, City Church. And uh, make sure also that you send an email. Our email address is on the screen now. So you can just hit that and go there. Send us a a message. Let us know if you've given your heart to Jesus. Help us by letting us help you. And, And God bless you. We'll see you soon.
1: Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website, at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at churchnet